are back. You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me today is the one and only Mr. Kevin Durso. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. It's good to be back. We're back. Uh, we got a couple good games to talk about. Uh, the Flyers went 2-1 and one this week. I'm sorry, 2-0-1, oh picking up five out of six points, and they currently sit third in the Metro. I know it's a little bit early to talk standings, but, you know, we're into November now. It's not unreasonable. It's not too early to talk standings when everybody else wants to talk standings or act or act like every game is. I see a lot of stuff that acts like this is the NFL where one game means, you know, there's only 16 left or 15 left or 14. You know what I mean? Like right. you're already down to under 20 to go. We're not even 10 in basically up until Saturday night. Right. So we just passed the 10 percent mark of the season roughly for most teams. Right. I always, I always just try to take 10 out of whatever. Like, I know it's 82 technically, but I always kind of break it down into those 10-game segments. Hey, look, we're an eighth of the way through, a quarter of the way through, three-eighths of the way through. Like, I think somebody talked about it. Uh, it might have been John Tortorella. He says, you know, he broke it up kind of like that. You aim to go 7-3 and three in every 10-game stretch. You know, that's kind of what your goal is. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I've, uh, for what it's worth, I'm not trying to jump completely away from flyer stuff sure. right away but i do i have liked him on 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 his espn coverage so he has been absolutely so, fantastic so i don't know what what exactly show what show exactly that was that he brought that up because i i haven't really seen much this week i think it was a while ago okay yeah but that's a that's an outstanding point because i totally agree with it it's you, you can't get too invested in the fact that it, you know what you see this week it, it's like everything you know it's a very long see, season it's a long season, but it's it's what you see last week isn't isn't possibly not what's going to be seen this week, may not be what's seen next week. You really just have to take it, you know, each not just each game at a time, but you kind of just need to break it down into those smaller segments just to feel, basically, to feel like you're not losing your mind trying to right. add overanalyze a season. Exactly, like there's just so when you're in a season, it's so long, and it's every other night roughly, or every third night for months and months and months on end. And if you just go in one long stretch, it'll drive you insane. I mean, well, and think about it. If, we, if, if, if everybody overreacted the way that people can tend to, then even just look at a couple of weeks that started the season out, like how would, you know, think about the way the Islanders started. <laughs> right. Think about how Vegas has started. Right. If you overreact, at, like, like you're, it's like you're expecting – no turnaround at all. It's just three games, and that's what they are. And you know what? That might work in the NFL. Three games, and that is what you are. But it's not in the NHL. Vegas might have overreacted a little bit. We'll talk about that later in the show. Yeah, we'll overreacting definitely talk about to a poor start. We'll definitely talk about that later uh, in the show because I have thoughts we have things, too. To, to that, we have to an lots extent of things too. to say about Jack Eichel. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but let's get started with the Flyers. Um, Monday night. The Arizona Coyotes and Shane Gostaspear <laughs> came to Philadelphia. Tuesday night. Oh, I'm sorry, it was Tuesday night. And don't don't worry, I don't remember most of them either. <laughs> my days off this past week were messed up, and it just threw everything off. <laughs> I just, there are a lot of times where I don't remember what day it is. I know that there's a game on whatever day, so I remember the games. I don't remember the days sometimes. Right, so Shane, Shane Gostaspear comes back to town, and... Man, that was not... I feel like the Flyers played a good game. 
I feel like they got goalied for a lot of two periods, and then eventually the the wall crumbled in the third. I think fair to say. Mostly, I think that they did get outplayed a little bit. Okay. At least you know what outplayed. You're saying it the way you're saying it because Arizona's threats were fewer and farther between. I suppose right. they were getting shot volume, but they weren't. There's nothing dangerous. Really, it was all kind of from the outside. There were, and... there were a couple, but not like it wasn't a wave of pressure constantly. I think that there were things that were happening though that made. Especially given the opponent that made it feel that way, like maybe that's why I feel the way that that we do is like because uh, I got asked about it. I was on the air on Wednesday, and yeah, they got out. I, I would say they got outplayed for two periods, but I think we're doing it by the standards of what Arizona is, not your typical. Hey, they got outplayed. Like, right? Not denying at all that it wasn't a good forty minutes, and they had to turn it on in the third period. They did kind of. I mean, uh, uh, what's your take? Did did they get robbed of a goal in the second period? I, I mean, it was kicked out from underneath the glove, so I understand where they were coming from. There was also no attempt whatsoever to blow the whistle at that time, and the referee is really far out of position. Right. So it doesn't – there's there's variables that don't make sense, but there's some that do. So, okay. I think the call should have been made in real time. It should have been whistled down in real time. But you can't go back after and decide that you should have, right? Once the puck's in the net and there was no whistle and there was no intent to blow the whistle, at that point you have quote-unquote missed, blown, whatever you want to say. You've missed that stoppage, but now the puck's in the net. You can't go back and decide that you were going to because you should have. Right, and that was a really weird loophole to use because – and I, I quoted it in my takeaways article for the next day that it was after discussing it with the other officials, it was it's been determined or we decided that it's no goal. Right. Right. Now, my my thing is that that's the reason that I feel like they did it that way is because that's so the a ref non- could cover his tracks and not they could cover we, their tracks and not put the blame on anybody in particular. Oh, we talked about it and we decided that this is correct. Well, no, 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 but I'm not saying they did it that way because of the fact that that's I believe that's a non-reviewable play, the same way that an intent to blow the whistle is non-reviewable. Okay. If you, it, when you when you do that, you have to just make a call and say, "Nope, there the intent to blow the whistle." Like it is the biggest cop out that they have, but at the same time, that's what happens because they can't go to Toronto and say, "Well, what's the deal?" Right. They just can't. It's not reviewable. So that's why your your analysis of it to me is right because if 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 whether you should have or not, it's beside the point. Nobody did, yep. and because of that, it doesn't matter whether the intent was there. It doesn't matter if it happened or not. It just is. This is what happened on the ice. The official standing closest to it, signal goal. If the national a- goal from the 2017 Stanley Cup did not count, then this goal should have counted. You can't have it both ways. Yeah. I'm still mad about that one. Yeah, but okay. So the diff, the difference with that one is is that at least at least there was an attempt to blow play dead, and I believe like you can hear a whistle in the play even though like it's that a, it's was a, so loud. Yeah, I know, but you can still hear a whistle. I know. Uh, it just you, might, you. I'll tell you what. You might really be able to hear a whistle 
with the way that ESPN's coverage has been. Because have you seen how loud the uh, ice mics are? The ice mics are very loud, and I'm curious how long there it's going to stay um, that way. Yeah, because there was a really uh, interesting exchange that happened during – I forget what game it was. There was a game it was on the other night, though, that you could hear everything. Yeah. I There's been a couple that are like, oh, there this mic is very close the, um, to like, the, the bench. The, the uh, so the person doing play-by-play for said game is actually this. Here, here's an I don't can't believe it. I didn't think we were gonna make this reference today, but let's go for it. It's actually so Leah Hextall is Ron Hextall's cousin. I forgot about her. I forgot she got a job. Well, yeah. so she closed out the little segment. They were going to break, and she just closed that and goes earmuffs, kids, earmuffs. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> Which is great. I thought that was brilliant because it was. <laughs> Yeah, you could until, hear so much. It really has been crazy. And overall, um, by the way, I have been very happy with the ESPN presentation. Uh, the I, ability to get most games most nights with yeah. ESPN Plus is pretty nice. It is. There are, I mean, if you're really being nitpicky about it, and, and I don't blame people for what they're being nitpicky about, it, it, like everything, everything that I'm seeing that people are kind of like picking at has valid reasoning a thousand percent. Right, I, like I, I think... I think it's too difficult to bounce back and forth between games on ESPN Plus. To be honest, like you okay. used to be able to on, on the NHL app, be able to pull up a little banner at the bottom and click the game you wanted to bounce to, and be able to do that. So I think that that should be made a little easier. Okay, fair. And that could be implemented. There was one other thing I saw that that's a constant complaint. Oh, I know what it is. So it's be really set in their ways with the time limit that they have on a game or whatever. So they're so while you have the game, you may be able to get the intermission shows, but you don't get pre and post, which I think some people would like to have. That's fair. Things like that. I mean, I don't know too much else that I've seen that's like really a complaint about it. Because here's the th- the biggest thing for me that's the biggest difference is, is that I'm not trying to sit there and say that you wish that it. When your when your name is ESPN, I think you wish that everything's ironed out the first week that you have it. I get that, but I look at the price and I go. I remember what I was spending to have the NHL TV package, and then I this look at what good. I'm spending for this, which I don't even buy. Like I don't, we don't even pay for ESPN Plus on its own. Oh, we you did got the bundle. We, yeah, because well, because there's there's a, there's a reason for me to use pretty much. I shouldn't say me, like, but there's a reason for people who in my family, whether it's my wife or whether it's just other family members, to have access and use everything else. Like, there's a reason to use Disney Plus. There's a reason to use Hulu. All like, right, what's your go-to Disney Channel original movie? Top of your head. Oh, good God! Come on, come on! I can't even remember the last movie I watched, let alone the last Disney Channel movie I watched. I'm gonna go with The Luck of the Irish. It's a good one though. I did. Such I do remember one. that one. Absolutely. Can't you know forget what, that one. Okay. You know what's funny? Like, like you're making me think about because they had a ton of like really cheesy sports movies. Yeah. Like the, the, like the, they're, the twin they're, female basketball players. That was the first one that just popped into my head. I swear to God, what was the, that called? Uh, um. Oh God. When they um, called like Double Vision or something like that. Something like that. It was some corny pun. Uh, and then there was the uh, motocrossed. Remember yeah, that because, one? Yeah. Well, yeah, because that was a major thing, like mm-hmm. two thousand. Uh, and then there was the one with uh, the girl from Seventh Heaven, the the drag racing movie. Oh God, yeah. Remember that one? Yeah. Y- you know what I remember probably actually now is I remember browsing through the list of movies that was on that platform, and just going nostalgia, like, trip. like just going like 
Oh yeah, that one. Oh yeah, Smart House. Oh that yeah, classic. Right. All right. Back, back to the Philadelphia Flyers. The guy, the guy on the tab on the YouTube channel here probably doesn't even know what the movie Smart House is. Uh, like he was about, two when it came out. <laughs> let's talk about Carter Hart for a second. I think it's time, and I'm officially making the the proclamation here. I think we put the Carter Hart conversation to bed. The is he okay? I I. Sitting here today, uh, November 7th, Carter Hart is fine. Last year was an anomaly. It's over. He's back. There's not, much for, me to, there's not much for me to argue with. <laughs> um, here's, here's, what I'll, here's what I'll say, and, and I don't want to jump. This always ends up happening when we do this, so I don't want to end up jumping several games here because the other the other person we really specifically would need to hone in on is going to come up as we get to the end of the week. Yep. But I would I would say that yeah, let's put it this way: Carter Hart has now started seven of ten games, and when your record is what it is, I mean, his record actually isn't even as good as what he's been because I think his record is something like three, two, and two. Right. He is three, what, two, and one. Is he? Yep. Oh, he was three, two, and two because he started seven games. They just played in their tenth. I don't know. Maybe maybe Fantrax is wrong, but uh, I'll take a look it, at it really quick. Yeah, it's also showing him with a two forty one goals against average and a nine twenty six save. Yeah, three, two, and two, but two forty one and nine twenty six is correct. Okay. Oh, oh, oh. He must have a shootout loss in here. Okay. Oh yes, that's it, what it is. First game of the year. Fantrax is stupid. Okay. Um, but a two forty one goals against average and a nine twenty six save. Right, and one, and and it like to go off of where everything like if we go off of where things started because the first game was not good. I think we all kind of admitted that that first game against Vancouver, there there there's some rough stuff going on, and certainly there were concerns after that game. And then you you go through the rest of his games this season. Okay, it was you know it was it's kind of funny because I'm not trying to say that he had a point in the Seattle game where he was bad per se. But it was it happened so early in the game that I'm just going to kind of make it like the first thing I can remember about that game. He made the desperation save on Jordan Everly and turn the game around. And it was like everything snapped back to two years ago right there. Like everything that was dicey about those first couple of games, everything that didn't look good in, in the season opener. It's like it snapped back in there and then he finished he out that game looking good and then pretty much gave you I mean like he's lost games this year where like I'm looking at it now like he's lost games where pretty consistently at this point he's given up three goals or right around like I actually pretty consistently three goals right and he's not getting the goal support but, but you're, you're looking but you're looking at those games and you're going three goals against Florida knowing what they are at this point in the season two yep. not bad fair enough three goals three goals and and it wasn't even like it wasn't even like I look at that Florida game for example and I go, I think about how the game-winning goal was scored in that game, the shorthanded goal that Huberto scored. Right. It's a bank shot after a great save on a breakaway. Like, yep. he, he's coming in on a shorthanded breakaway, and then... He makes the first save. He makes the save. Like, you're sitting there going, wait for it. Like, here it comes. He's going to yep. get... Like you, would think he, you, like, you would think he might give that think- up. 
but he doesn't. He he does make the save, and it just so happens that nobody else really follows up the play, so it goes behind the net. The puck's there perfectly for Huberto to try that quick bank play, and it works. No. And that's what decides the game against a team Three. that's currently that's the, what nine zero and one, or nine and one, something like that. No, they're they're, more, I think they're, they're more than that. Sitting at they the top of the heap, ten zero and one. Ten zero and one. I'm sorry, I, but I mean, yes. Right? Sitting at the top of the heap in all of the NHL. At in this the point. NHL, yeah. Who had that well, on then, their big their bingo card? Um, I'm not surprised that Florida's good. I'm not. I didn't pick best in the 10-0 league. Ten zero and one. Right. I didn't pick best in the league. Good, but like at least Carolina being right in the same ballpark. Nine zero and one. Ten zero and one. Something like that. Like at least that you're like okay. They've been really good for a couple of years. That doesn't make a whole, you know, that makes a whole lot of sense. Florida missed the playoffs last year, didn't they? No, they did make it. Or was it the year before that? I don't know. Okay, no, no, no. I know what you're thinking. I, th- I think so they got bounced in the bubble. Th- they did, but what you're thinking of is that when they made the playoffs two seasons ago, they were the 10 in the 7 10 matchup against the Islanders. Right. So they were not technically a playoff team as of March 11th. Right. And then. Last year they did make the playoffs, and last year they based the the issue with that was is that they were better last year than anybody remembers because their first round was Tampa, right? And with, Tampa with, was oh, Tampa with Nikita Kucherov coming back right at that moment, like and he went obscene in that series, right? So people don't remember how good that team was, and and realistically, to be honest, how fun that series was because it was one of the most fun series that was on in the early did stages it, of the playoffs. Did it go seven? Six, six, I believe. Six. Okay. There was. I. I remember there was an overtime that Florida won that made everybody kind of get all hopped up because it was their back. It's like it made it like two one in the series, so they they had a shot. It was. I thought it was. It was either six. One of them was six. I'm trying to trying to remember which one it was. Whether it was Florida or Carolina who got it to six. Maybe it was Carolina who got it to six. It might have been five for Florida then. Yeah, you might just, be right. But it. But it wasn't. It wasn't. As lopsided as that would have sounded. No, it was a close like, series. It was, it, was it was five close games. And it was entertaining, and it was fun. And the playoffs it, like, were a lot of fun last year. Because there was a lot of close. I mean, how close was... We're, we're talking about how that next round was Carolina-Tampa, and that ended up going six, and it kind of got out of hand at the end because Tampa really just kept coming in waves. But you do have... Like the series before, Nashville gave Carolina a run for their money with a bunch of overtime games. Like, yeah, that series was, was a lot close. of fun too. And nobody gave Nashville a shot. No, nobody. They were tight in that series. But anyway, so back to Carter Hart because, uh, so the Florida game to me was not that big of a deal because you go, okay, look who it is. He gave up three to Edmonton. Well, that sounds like a normal night for most goalies with their Fair. offensive firepower. And then he played Calgary and. I even said this on the air this week. I was so disappointed with in the Calgary game that he gave up that late goal to Johnny Gaudreau because of the fact that at that given point in time, if you would have just gone out with three nothing, one was an empty netter, and he finishes with what did he end up two having? Goals he had thirty two saves on thirty five shots. If it would have just been thirty two on thirty four, and you lose three nothing, then you and you, you, you did. He looks fantastic coming out of that, even in a and loss. But it, and it's too backdoor style plays that that are the goals so he had nothing he could do on the goals he got and, hung out, he like he got he got and they, hung out and, to dry on him and the Let's whole time we knew right and the whole time we knew 
he's the reason they were even in this game. It's one nothing at the end of the second period, and for a good chunk of the third before you you know before they finally take a penalty that leads to a power play goal. You have a handful of shots, <laughs> and it, and you have like nine shots, and he's the reason you're in the game. Like he was outstanding. And I just hated it for his. I hated it for his numbers because I knew what the numbers were going to look like. Specifically, going into the game we're talking about right now, the Arizona game, because I'm going. It's going to make the save percentage a little lower. It's going to make the goals against. You know, it's going to tilt it towards three because it's another. Technically, that was another game with three allowed. Like, but you know how that- he responded to that game by shutting out the Coyotes and by looking great again. That's why I'm. That's why I want to talk about ending the like ending the questions about him because he. That's a game that's easy to give up after, right? You carry the team for a large portion of the game. They have nine shots through two. Like you're, you're doing all the work. It's real easy to give up on the team after something like that. And instead, he comes out and pitches his first shot out of the season. Yeah, well, exactly, and and not only that, but it was, you know, from that very first game with the way that it went. You still needed convincing, like, even after the Seattle game, it was, okay, he gave up one, it was a really good win. You're going to give the credit where credit's due, but you're sitting here going, we don't really, it's Seattle's fourth game of their franchise's history, it's the Flyers' second, don't jump in right away, kind of, just because he had one good game. He also had one lousy game. It's You can split the sample size down the middle. It's now become a trend, especially with seven starts already, when you consider... He's not going to, let's just say, that trend's not going to continue. He's not going to make 70% of the starts this year. No. Uh, no, but we talked about the 10-game segments, and if he started seven of those, you multiply that by eight, he might start about 56 games. That, you know, the that's reason a reasonable I don't think, number. The reason I don't think it's going to happen that way is because they're the right now they haven't had the back-to-backs pile up, but they will. And, and you when know they what's do, gonna count. Martin Jones is going to play at least one of those games. Usually, yeah, unless they really try to, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know, you got to go back to, that was still Scott Gordon coaching the team on an interim basis when, when they actually were trying to use Carter Hart as a rookie and they still lean, but I think a lot of people do right about now. (laughs) He was fun. I liked him. I did always like him. So you're going to, that, that'll balance out over time, but this is a seven game out of 10 sample size now, which if you can go off of that 70% of the starts to this point, and certainly for a goalie, that's enough Like that's enough to kind of start building a sample because it's not It's not quite – for him, it's not a quarter of what he's going to play because that would, that would be 28 games light. total. Yeah. That's a little light, but all right, so say 50 is the number. Well, you're getting closer to 20% of that number. Yeah. And, and if you're getting close to that 20% mark, which is what we try to look at a lot when it comes to certain Benchmarks, portions of right. where a team is – He's not only given you good results or kept you in just about every game that he's played. Look at who he's playing. Like we just ran down. It's it's Florida, Edmonton. Uh, who else did I say in there? Calgary was in there. He's played Pittsburgh now, who has been, you know, for not being a dominant team, they've held their ground, which is important for them. I mean, they're just trying to get back to where they have a roster that you really – get scared of kind of like on paper it's not exactly a scary roster but that doesn't mean anything right look at what they're doing you know so but it's the way he's keep and and then and then he is giving you like i look at the arizona game the same way maybe i look at the seattle game a little bit like if you're getting the one goal allowed or here's a shutout against teams like that 
and then three against everybody else, but the third is like a late goal or something. You know, if you're getting those performances and it's really I mean, he's not all he's not allowing three goals on like twenty shots either. These games are three against Florida on thirty, three against Edmonton on thirty seven, three against Calgary on thirty five, three against Pittsburgh on thirty six. Like he's seeing action. <laughs> like he's seeing a lot of rubber right now and handling it, which is why forget the fact that he's technically lost four games one three out of the seven the team his has save, lost those games around him let's be real his save percentage is 926 yep that's really good it's really good like like that's pushing elite levels that is above average need. in the and, nhl yeah. and do i think that that number is going to hold no i don't but i would love to see it hold at the 910 to 915 range and say look at what you've got the foundation built on he's given you like he's shown that he can give you the shutout at times he's also shown that in a game where he is not going to make every single save for one reason or another and most of the time this year it's been just immense waves of talent coming at you i yep. mean like what do you and bad bounces and things like that so for the games he's going to give up three he's at least keeping you in most of those games throughout right. so you're 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 not in a situation where you feel like i mean Aside, maybe with like with the exception of the Calgary game, has there been another game yet this season that you really sit there and go that for all intents and purposes by final score alone? Maybe the process doesn't look good against this team or whatever. Like that that didn't feel like a three nothing shutout win when you consider the the process of getting there, the fact that it was still tied, no score, two periods nothing, nothing in after two, right? Right. So that I get that. But have they had a game where they've been truly blown out with the exception of the Calgary game at the end? No. Which, no, by the haven't. way, the score the score reflected what the play was for two periods anyway, where right. you're getting no shots. So, okay, you lost the game for nothing. It was awful. It was right. a terrible game. But have you had that bad of a game at any other point during the first 10? No, the Flyers, only have, say, the yeah. Flyers only have four losses on the season. We talked about the, the Florida game where you lost to, you know, potentially the best team in the league. You have the Calgary game, which was a dud. The other two losses, you lost to Vancouver in your season opener. And the game that we're about to talk about right now, Thursday evening shootout loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think it's really funny that you just bridged that gap with that first game because I feel like you could almost look at the two... I'll call them extra time losses. One's a shootout, one's o one's overtime, obviously. Right. As like an extra win. Because you really had no reason to get points in either game. And you, you didn't managed deserve to. the one point in either game, to be honest. But you got two out of both of those games. So you kind of that's added fair. an extra win in a weird way. And that's the, the kind of thing that, you... that good right. teams do. And we've talked about that. Absolutely. And I, I know that kind of going into this particular game there was a thought process that look at everything that Pittsburgh doesn't have and I kind of warned against that throughout like just because they don't have Sidney Crosby just because they don't have Brian Rust just because they don't have Evgeny Malkin just because they don't have Brian Dumoulin Mike Sullivan couldn't even coach the game after all after as of the day of the game so as, like as of like five o'clock basically yeah so you sit there and you go, just because of all of that, 
It does not mean that this is going to be an easy game. It does not mean any... I, I don't understand why people don't really put this together because it happens in all of sports. It doesn't really matter which sport you're talking about. When you play within your division, you've got to expect close It's going to be tough. Yeah. Right. No easy like, games. Yeah, like... We do this with football all the time because in football, when you get whether you're you could be one and six, you could be eight and zero. It doesn't matter. You're gonna play a team within your division. There is an extra energy to it, especially when you don't see them every day. Which this is why this was also a big deal this particular game because it was lined up to be that way. As in, here's the first chance you have against a metro team the metro has looked so good throughout i mean even now i I can't go back specifically to exactly what it was on the nhl app anyway i can't go back to what it specifically was standings wise going into thursday right but as we sit here on sunday talking about it the lowest point total in the metro is 11 points It's, it's insane that's actually crazy now here's the thing as of i guess as of thursday morning it didn't look this way and what i mean is that i think there have been more games played over the last thursday friday saturday portion of the week days in the metro right well and and around the league too because i think teams are catching up is what i mean because at one at one point in time pittsburgh had eight points was the lowest point total in the in the division still and yet they were like something like 16th in the league 15th in the league like they were among the top 16 teams in the league Despite having the worst point total in the Metro Division, while you know, while you go to the bottom of the list and go Arizona, Chicago, Montreal, Ottawa, like these teams that aren't winning games, That's so you funny. know, and I mean, I think that two, at least two of them, maybe more as I go through, but there's a lot of Central teams that are involved in that. Like the Central looks the Central awful, is bad. Yeah, this is going to be one of those years where a team is going to miss the playoffs. The Metro is going to take both wild cards, and a team is going to miss the playoffs. And then, like, some team in the Central is going to make it with, like, 79 points because, the, uh, because I, I of will the say, three division spot thing. I will say it's balancing out a little bit more because, at least, right, at least as of right now, the only. Yeah, like, a, a Metro team would, would end up. Well, no, they they would make make the playoffs, so it's not going to matter there. See, you do have to still divide it by conference. That's the thing. Like, if it's going to be one thing if you sit there and you go, "Hey, somebody in the con- in the one conference doesn't make the playoffs," and in the West, it's going to be totally different, or or vice versa. But at least at least the three teams at the, to- at the top of the Central are fifteen, fourteen, and fourteen points, and at least the three teams at the top of the Pacific are eighteen, seventeen, and thirteen points. Like, they're not bad numbers, right? I mean, actually, and it's also not, early in the season. You know, there's plenty of time for that to turn around. You know, sure. There's still, I mean, there's still a handful of teams as I go, as I scroll through that are going into Sunday with only nine games played this season. I mean, oh, even right. even the Flyers at ten are low by league standards because you've got teams in, you've got one team in the Metro has played twelve, two in the Central or two in the Atlantic have played twelve, and one has played thirteen. To be that far ahead. Two in the Pacific have played 12, and two in the Central have played 12. So already there's four points for teams with, you know, up for grabs with teams at 10 games that could create even more separation in the league. And it's funny, a lot of them are the worst teams in the league. That is true. It's really 
weird the teams, how the season has started. The teams, the teams with 12 or more games so far, Arizona, Chicago, Seattle, and, and Anaheim, sorry, uh, Montreal, Detroit, Toronto, and the Rangers. Okay. Now, some of them are good, obviously. Like, the Rangers are actually off to a really good start, and they've had a rough weekend. Yeah. To say the least, because they they were looking at at least two points on Friday night. And who knows what happens on Saturday if they win. And that quickly turned into one and then nothing the, the next night. So yeah, things are tough over there, which which is the which, by the way, is the difference right now with the Flyers. I mean, well, it's a bigger difference than that because the Flyers still have two games extra to play. Okay. You know, so there's there's yeah, we're already clear, talking about like, games in hand, huh? <laughs> no, I'm just pointing it out because of the fact that like the other thing to keep in mind is is that you through seven or through ten games minimum, let's call it that, um, the only team that is has a clear cut higher points percentage than the Flyers in the division is Carolina at their nine one and zero record. Um, Columbus is even with them. Columbus is seven three and zero, which is a surprise to start the season to say the least yeah and and the islanders have not yet gotten to 10 i think i think their 10th game is actually sunday night so they also still haven't played their first home game (laughs) yeah but if they win that game on sunday then i they will have the exact same record as the flyers through 10 okay so 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 it it falls it all falls in line right like it, it could easily you know, work as well. I see. I think that's an advantage for the Islanders. By the way, is I hear you. They still haven't played a home game, but now when they get you to play are, forty of their last sixty at home. Exactly, and that limited travel. Right. That, that's going to be. It's, I, it's crazy. why I. It's why I still believe it's going to be a crime if they don't win the division. The island is going to be tough. Well, right. especially as especially as guys get into a rhythm, like it's yep. very clear early on. I mean, like you, you you see this with the Flyers a little bit too. You know, there's guys who just haven't gotten off to. Actually, it's a great segue for this game in particular because the fact that it's that it's the third line thing. Yep. You when you know you may have opportunities, you're just not getting on the board yet, and it finally did happen in this game. That's how they got it tied late. I mean, it was it was a rough go that whole game, kind of in a way, because as good as starts off bad. (laughs) Yeah, that was just the whole literally sleeping off the opening faceoff kind of play. But then beyond that. They're sleeping off the face off. They give up the goal. It took them a long time to get that tying goal again because the whole yeah. the whole first period goes by. They finally get a chance and they do get the goal back in the second period. And that quickly, I believe it was like within four minutes, Pittsburgh comes down and takes the lead again. And again, it's the same thing that held until you got closer and closer to the overtime. It, it, it here's like so. Here's the interesting part. And it was again, it was a really interesting game when it got to the overtime because again just like the game before that we were just talking about against Arizona where I even like we kind of touched on it a little bit what you know what what's your thoughts on the call that a goal gets taken away from you that you think you've scored it takes a review to determine that that was in and here's the thing okay cuz i had i saw it coming from both ways because i i think it was in a lot of people who i saw thought it was in and yet I also saw that there was like, oh, but that's not conclusive enough. Like you can't tell. So it shouldn't be a goal. Yeah, you saw white. I think that that's what you really. That's usually the indicator. I think that what they actually really saw more than anything is, because I, I don't think you can tell that there's white between the goal line and the puck okay. in that in that still shot because it moves too quick. Like it's, 
in and out so quickly. I don't think you can tell. I think what you can tell is the first angle, which really made people think like you heard it on the broadcast. They, they get really worried at that moment because it disappears behind the post. I don't see it anymore. Well, right. if I don't see it anymore, I have no choice but to assume it's probably in. And I think that that's w- what really happened. I don't think that that was, and I said it after, the, I tweeted it after the game. You can sit there, yeah, It it's disappointing that it, like, and I think I think maybe from Carter Hart's standpoint, it's more disappointing because you go, you played a really good game, you gave him a shot to earn the point, you, you did steal them the point. And you let up an annoying goal. And, and the reason that you lost is not even, it's not even anything that's overly your fault because the shot, the initial shot was blocked. So he's out of position because the shot was blocked. He's he tries to get over. Right. He does technically make a save there, but it just is one of those stay with it. And the thing is rolling along his pad and it goes and it just in. trickles. Yeah. And it's bare. But uh, see, I, I don't care. Like you'd almost rather for a goal that happens in that style on like that wraparound style play. than just let, let your pad not even hold up there and just you didn't make it to your post so you your pad partially gets pushed in as it's going in but it's not going to change what was going to happen it was halfway in when you were making the attempt anyway right but at least but the thing at least slides to the back and hits the back of the net as a result because of it not it was in i don't even know if we can call like you can't even classify that as an post you can't even classify that as an as an inch past the post yeah, and, and, across, and across the goal line, like you can't even classify it as that much, and that, like to me, that does really suck for Carter Hart. Like, yeah. you had a great game; that's what you lose on. It sucks, but otherwise, I was not overly like I wasn't. I didn't feel like it was a frustrating result. I mean, it's fr- it was frustrating given the whole scope of the game. It wasn't. Fr- it wasn't frustrating based on the way that they played. It was kind of almost deserved, right? And. So that that kind of happens, and I, I I do think that maybe as we start to shift to the next game, that you get to that point because like I think they took that to heart a little bit when you get to the next game in line, and you're gonna play another divisional game, and you kind of have to go in real. I mean, let's put it this way: where the Capitals playing with their full lineup, nope, oh. they're missing guys, but you didn't act like I mean, and, and I'm not trying to downplay the fact that the Flyers are missing guys too, and we will get into those two two of the actually the only two real specifics we have left to get into. Uh, I mean, uh, I'll throw a footnote out when we're talking about both of them, but it's not really as a uh, from an injury standpoint, it's not really a close update, if you will. No, you know, um, we'll talk about them in just a second. <laughs> but you go into this game, and I think you actually embraced what the process of a divisional game has to be. It's got to be a little ugly at times. It's got to be oh, tight. Real ugly. It, but it, it's going to be tight games, and you have to be prepared for for those situations. You have to be prepared. And this is what's going to, truthfully, this is what's going to decide whether or not you make the playoffs this year. I don't care about any of the other games we've seen to this point, kind of, in a way. And remember, like, if you do make the playoffs, once you get there, you're going to be playing these teams in these kind of games to a, to a higher degree. And I guess to start it off with, you certainly want to see what you got in Pittsburgh with Carter Hart because that's going to be your guy. Yep, absolutely. Not to take away from what happened in this game with because Martin Jones was in goal, but you know it's going to be Carter Hart when it comes playoff time. Of if, if you're there and you're playing a team like Washington, like Pittsburgh, like the Islanders, like you know, you name it. Murder in the Metro. Jesus. It could be anybody. But, but, Carolina. But the thing is, 
But the thing is, is that right now you're hanging with everybody. That's the other yep. thing you got to go with is that you're hanging with everybody. You deserve your spot. You're one of those teams. I mean, you got to ask yourself, how, how do you feel if you're realistically either, either Pittsburgh or New Jersey and you're not that far out of it? Right. You're basically well, your two points, but those two points can feel massive when you're looking up at everybody. One There's thing, too much moving around. Yeah. One thing the uh, the Washington Capitals broadcast was talking about Saturday night because that's what I was getting on ESPN Plus. Uh, they were talking about the average age of the Flyers has gone up. I think it's something like twenty nine point four, and they're one of the older teams in the league. Yeah, I think they're and the all, fourth oldest in the league. Right. And one of these, all these additions over the summer, and the team's gotten older. This is why we've talked about it before, right? You're getting this age and this experience for division games and for playoff games. And well, yeah, and we saw a we saw this against the Capitals on Saturday. We saw a gritty win, and one of the guys who scored the opener, Derek Broussard, huge older guy, guy they just added over the summer, guy with a lot of experience, a lot of playoff experience. Yeah, exactly, and. They hadn't. That line was not having their best week to that point. No, but that's that's a really good play by them to get on the board finally, and you know they've scored the first goal seven times this year, and once all six games as a result of it. So when you're past the halfway, when you're past the halfway point of regulation at this point, and again it's now of course it's a different feel than going through most of two periods without anything against Arizona. Right. This is what this is Washington. You're kind of almost thankful at that time that you're getting the performance from everybody else to, to sit there and say, well, Alex Ovechkin hasn't done anything yet. And Washington with all their firepower hasn't done anything yet. Right. So You've killed two penalties by the halfway point of the game. Yeah. You know, so, so Ovi hasn't killed you on the power play yet. You've, you've really neutralized loud. that pretty well. Two really lousy penalties, by the way, because, I mean, is there any more blatant of a slashing call than you can get on what Lawton did in the first? And then, funny to me how Derek Broussard is the guy who gets the goal after taking a really dumb penalty on his, on in his own, own right there, you know? like needed, that was just, needed the retribution on that one. But he, he makes up, like, he does really make up for it with that, like, obviously by scoring a goal, so... But it was, you know, he's not so far this year. We've talked when we talked about that line and the point production. He's like the last guy that comes to mind because of the fact that the goals have been from Joel Farabee and Cam Atkinson. And even down to earlier this week, it didn't end up counting. But we thought that Cam Atkinson had another goal. It would have been seven on the year in his eighth game of the season at that point. Is that good? Right. Now, he's still at six through ten. So it's a little different. Yeah. It's a little different. But the thing about this is that they are, you know, Broussard's not the guy who you're going to sit there at this point and think goal scorer or even or even point getter sometimes. Like, he's not necessarily going to be that guy. He's actually probably more or less, less, I mean, let's be real. That's not even really his role. Right. He's playing second line center, he's and it's not really player. his role. And it was interesting to me because as the week went on, as we and we're, like I said, we're going to get into some of the injuries in a couple seconds. I was starting to wonder, are they getting to the end of their rope here with what they've been using to replace two really important guys? Like, the are you getting line. toward, well, but, gener- but kind of in general with, 
is it getting to the end of the point where you can't really go Derek Broussard second line center anymore? Like, are you getting to the end of your limits with that? And are you getting the record, to the end of your him, him scoring you... on Saturday doesn't entirely change that. It it is coming to the end of that a little bit, I think. Right, but see, I wouldn't like. I still wouldn't. I'm not hard criticizing it, but no. And I, and they've had good moments. I'm not trying to sit there and say that they haven't been good. It's like. You know, like they've been fine. It's just uh, the production really dipped off, and when the production was down, you start to notice what they don't bring in certain areas. Also, like that's all. That's fair. But I just I, and I just thought you know Broussard's probably the the main focus of it because I don't think you're going to look at Farabee or Atkinson and say a couple of rough games or not scoring is what's going to make you change your mind about them. Farabee has probably actually been in the grand scheme of things probably been the guy who's looked worse of the three. Yeah. In these last maybe three, four games that, that that started to slow down a little bit, you know, he came out and had the same kind of start that Atkinson was having with the production and his production has dipped off even more than that. Like he's gone, I think now maybe five, maybe six games without anything. Right. After starting off the way that he did. Six and that's not to, three game, his first three games. Right. And that's And that's not to say that he can't turn it around again quickly or that he's not maybe in a spot where he might be able to get something. But. It you know I guess he's that he's kind of fitting into that goal scorer mold type where you're gonna get streaky at times and it's gonna yeah. happen and and I I think that you're also crazy to not think that every team didn't look and say which you got to pick which line is the hottest at the moment and, and defend them I mean I think that there's also teams that kind of fess up to it. it's it's kind of the you know and I I'm not trying to compare players here like please don't think that me putting them in the same sentence as me saying they're the same type of player they're not. But it's almost the McDavid Ovechkin kind of no kind of theory with with Couturier and Giroux in the sense that when they really are going, you're just trying to contain. They might still get one point, but it becomes just let if they if they hold them off a multi point right, night. Right. If they don't get more than one point, you've done a really good job that night. I mean, especially going to damage that, control. Well, and especially when your production level is as high as those two players are right now, early in the season, when uh, Drew has gone, I think Drew has not had a point in the in one game, which was the one that he got shut out in. Like, if they've scored a goal, he's factored into the game. Yeah, and scored Claude in has some been way. very, very, very good. And Couturier has kind of, well, I think now it's a little less quietly, but in the beginning, it was really quietly was right near the top of the points for them, like in terms of point production. Now he's right there, but it's it's becoming big goals. And like Yes it is. I mean he's got two game winning goals this week. Yep. Travis Konechny's coming. Well Travis Konechny it was set up set up the one for sure. Did he set up the, he didn't set up the second one. No, it was um Ristolainen had the shot on the second oh, one. Oh you're right. But he's deadline has been moved, and here's the Konechny had a goal on his stick in Saturday's game. It didn't go in, but like obviously it was a good save made. But he looked like he had a potential goal on his stick, and he knew it. He reacted as such, and he and let's head to the ceiling. And let's put it this way: he did get a re, he scored a really nice goal in Pittsburgh. He did. So that kind of gets you kind of going again a little bit. Like he had scoring chances, and just so just when I thought that you might want to break up that line a little bit like you might want to just make a subtle change among your top six Ooh, show me couturier Giroux, farabee oh that's an interesting one i kind of would have expected my guess would have been that atkinson would go up but that's not a bad thought either no i i think you bring farabee up and just let him play with the big boys for a couple days oof, that would be a lot of fun maybe but i don't see right now i don't think they're going to do anything now because i think they've I first of all first of all they're six two and two 
Right. Well, and the other thing I wanted to mention about Farabee and the the production drop off there is, you have to mention. We we talked about Derek Broussard, and I really think that when Kevin Hayes comes back, even though Derek Broussard has been solid. When Kevin Hayes comes back, I would expect that line to elevate even a little bit further. Just because Kevin Hayes is a better hockey player than Derek Broussard. Nothing against him, There's, just facts, you know. I saw this I saw this bounced around a little bit and it's a it's a real it's an interesting thought because I've thought about it myself a couple of times. Because Cam Atkinson is about as aggressive as it gets on a penalty kill. He is. And I'm not I'm not sure what's going to happen when Hayes comes back if um if they're going to put him on the same unit as start Cam two on O's. I don't know I wouldn't go that far but I'm sitting here and it, like it's funny to me when you watch what Cam Atkinson does and I honestly when I'm watching him I think about some of the early Kevin Hayes moments from his first season here you know, the way that he got shorthanded chances because yep. it's very similar. It's just reading a play. It's actually it's actually really funny because the first shorthanded goal that he ever had here was off of a steal of a pass from Cam Atkinson. Was it really? Yes. Oh, that's so funny. I believe I was at that game. Um, but that was who made that pass. Cam wow, Atkinson made crazy. that pass that Hayes picked off and took off the other way but and scored on. What I'm looking for forward to is Kevin Hayes is enormous he's got a wingspan he is just massive on the ice especially on the penalty kill he takes up so much space he does i can't wait for him to just swallow up pucks (laughs) and hit cam atkinson and just yell go and cam just boom gone like a rocket i hope and i think will be effective i hope they implement that long clear but cam atkinson's already gone play it off the backboard bounce breakaway style i i have a feeling you're gonna see that at least once this season you heard maybe it here first. i don't i don't know yet but we'll see what happens um if they're on the same unit it's gonna be fun well i feel like we're gonna get re- we're starting to shift to the injury so before we do i want to yeah. i i want to talk about martin jones because i feel like it needs to happen he was i agree without question the star of this game and and that's not to, like that's not to say that the you know, the Flyers played a bad game defensively or anything like that. Like, it wasn't the same needing to get bailed out all the time by your goalie kind of thing. It was, well, first of all, for two periods, they actually handled things really well. I think Washington I shot total, Washington's shot total through two was 17 shots. And that included two power plays at that point, by the way. So, right. like, two power plays, they're not getting really much of anything. You have a 2 nothing lead now after all that. Things are looking good, and yep. and you're finishing the job the right way, and and pretty much from the time that they did score, which was a very fluky goal, by the way, because I think it was kind of a stick on stick, whack at it, and then it rolled off or hit the body of Patrick Brown on the way in, so it fluttered over Jones's shoulder. It was very which, strange. It was a weird goal. Like it, it didn't feel like it was even going to have gone in. That's how weird it was, and. Yet you get to the end of it, and that clearly woke up Washington a little bit. So as they're pushing forward, and they're making that push that you fully expected to come at some point in the third period, he made a save. He made a save on Connor Sheary that was a cross crease, quick tip type of pass, almost point blank. But he slides across and makes a save, and you're still up by a goal. And then they get the power play, 
which but the power play also comes directly off of a good scoring chance for Ovechkin right near the net. Yep. And and John Carlson's there banging away at it too. And then so they get the power play. And I think to that point, so I guess Ovechkin did get a shot there as well. So I guess that was his second shot. Because they pulled up the graphic with like 10 minutes left in the third period that showed he only had one shot in the game to that point. Right. Which is, which is massive. Right, from, because who does that to Ovi? But from there, whatever the shot total was in the third period for Washington, they got six on the power play that came with six minutes left in the game. And Ovechkin went from one to six in the game. <laughs> It really is crazy. Their power play has done the same exact thing for 15 years. Can you blame them when the guy who they're trying to get it to has 10 goals in 10 oh, games? Absolutely not. But it's just hilarious that it literally puck, pass to eight shot, pass to eight shot, pass to eight shot, just over and over and over and over again. And it's worked for 15 years. But it's really, yeah, but it's really funny how you had, like, and this is credit to the Flyers' penalty kill, too, because they did what they had to do with this, which is you kind of keep a guy shadowing him as much as you can. You have to. And it's, yeah. it, it, it's hard to because you're trying to make sure you don't allow too much space in between by focusing too much on that left side. Right, for Nicholas but, Backstrom or John Carlson or whoever right, Backstrom, else. Like, yeah, Backstrom was still out, so Backstrom oh, didn't right. play. But you still, you're sitting there going, Kuznetsov. Carlson, you know, they didn't have Backstrom or Oshie who would normally be on that power play, but you're filling in the gaps here. And they've got some young players who are pretty good. So, yeah, they've like, done a good uh, job, a sneaky good job of drafting and developing to the point where two of their youngest were in the lineup and didn't look out of place. I think, I believe it or not, I think Connor McMichael had an assist on the Brett Leeson goal that Connor got McMichael, them within one. Connor McMichael is going to be a good NHL player. Yeah, he is. So is um so is Hendricks Lapierre. Uh, yeah, he's, he's a really good player. He's going to be a a top line NHL it's player. Just, it's just really early for him, but he's going to be really good. And 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 he got he passed a on. A, he got passed. Talent. He got passed on a lot because of injury trouble. And it's beca- it's so far it's proving to be worth the gamble for Washington. Hendricks Lapierre has a ton of talent. But you get these guys, and and so you're looking at the power play structure. And you just always have to be in that spot. You have to keep in mind where he is. You know what they're trying to do. Right. And it doesn't really matter what else is going on. You just have to try to keep that covered as much as possible. And the, and that, the chance the chance came up. It happened. Yeah. It, 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 Tom Wilson standing in that in that slot position gets a pass across through the legs of a defender, and Ovechkin's there, and he lets it go, and. As fast as it was off of his stick, that's how fast the pad of Martin Jones comes out and takes care of it. And they get a and the big thing to me, they get a clear right after it. Massive. Big save. There I think it was Provrov who's there. Backhand out of the zone. Get a line change and 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 move on to the next opportunity. You mentioned a name there. And I just wanted to shout out that Ivan Provorov has been very good this season. He has been. And it, 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 can I mention the shame it was again back in the Pittsburgh game? That the first goal he's on the ice for at five on five is a fluky goal because if, if Jake Ensel just takes the shot that he wants to, maybe Carter Hart makes a save, maybe not. I don't know what happens, but he whiffed on it and Hart had to kind of adjust in, on the fly. So he got frozen by it. Whoever. And that, that allows the, the next shot to go through his legs. And that's what Provorov was on the ice for. Whoever tweeted out that stat. Could you not, please? <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I don't even think it was a tweeted out thing because I think it was mentioned multiple times on the broadcast too. So oh, they were kind of really? asking for it. Yeah, they were kind of <sighs> asking for it. All right, uh, I think so it was. It was it was said, and then a period later, it was over. <laughs> All right, I think we have danced around it enough. Um, but I do want. Okay, of Ivan Provorov, we have his potential partner to talk right. about. I, I do want to. I did want to go back to Jones for one yeah. second, though, because yeah, to put yeah. a bow on this game because of the fact that for all of the stuff that was said in the offseason, I'm not trying to sit there and say that three games is not a really small sample size, but if but it is 30 percent of your starts. Right. And that actually does sound like a legitimate number for a backup goalie, sure. does it not? Yeah. Like over the course of a season, you'll get 30 percent of the games. Right. If this is what you're going to get, you're fine. Yep. It's it's quite honestly been for everything that we can talk about. Truthfully, the you know, OK, the not, I want to say the effort, but the performance against Arizona didn't line up with maybe what it was in people's heads because it was Arizona, winless Arizona. Right. Like how come it wasn't six to one probably is what a lot of people wanted to believe. You know, when Pittsburgh comes out and they don't have Crosby or Malkin or all those guys. How come they didn't win this game? Whatever. Your one consistency through 10 games, maybe outside of the first game that you played, right, has been goaltending. Yep, You've gotten absolutely. really good goaltending every single game. Every single game. And that's worth noting because that's the kind of thing that last that's year's what, Flyers didn't have. And that's what makes playoff teams. Yep. You know, I mean, to, to the point where I, I mean... If you want to be technical about it, because there hasn't, yeah, so a goalie hasn't been in goal for any game yet this year, where, except for the very first one, where four goals were actually allowed by the goalie. On a goalie, right. Like, I think they've given up four three times this year. And twice it was in the empty nets. Twice, twice involved empty netters. Right. And you're going, like, if, if you're going to tell me that at worst your goals against is three. But at best, it's one. Roughly, I mean, you're pretty much there. I mean, there's the, there's the one shutout that Hart had. And for a little while, I thought Jones was going to get his. And I thought it would have been and I thought it would have been great because could you imagine the way that people would have to react if Martin Jones shuts out the Washington Capitals? Oh, oh it would have been good on Saturday night, prime, prime time in hockey. Oh, chef's kiss. But it makes, but it does make a statement, does it not? That he's been real. I mean, the last two games in particular, because you can look at the Boston game and go, that was a little bit of a back and forth deal. He did give up three in that game, but the last two, pretty darn good, right? Yep. Well, I'm actually, I'm gonna put a little tease in the Martin Jones conversation. We're gonna put a pin in this. We're gonna come back to it when we start talking about the future. I'm curious, top of your head right now, which game does Carter Hart or does uh, Martin Jones start this weekend? Does he play Carolina or does he play Dallas? Dallas. Okay, we'll come back to it. We'll talk about the week ahead as we go. Uh, but we do have a couple injuries to get into, and we've kind of danced around them the whole show. Uh, let's start with uh, Ivan Provorov's partner. Let's start with Ryan Ellis. Um, yeah, I think this is the bigger place to start because we've touched on Kevin Hayes enough a little bit, and I think that everybody kind of knows his situation a little bit coming in terms of coming back. But the this is becoming more and more concerning at this point. And yeah, it's it's not the fact that he's missed certain games. Like it's it's not it's never a bad thing, in my opinion, to know something a few days out. So 
when he's not able to go after the third game, so they, they play the three games at the start, Vancouver, Seattle, Boston. Okay. The Florida game comes up, and I kind of am sitting there thinking, well, you had two days between games. You're going to play this game. You have three days off game-wise to follow before the road trip. You're just sitting here literally saying it's the fourth game of the season. Yeah, if it's the playoffs, he probably would have played, but it's not the playoffs. So guess what? So we're not going right. to right, do this. Okay, no big deal. Then he goes on the road trip. They say he's not going to be ready for the Wednesday game, and you kind of brush that off too because you're going, you know what? You got a back-to-back. You got three really tough games. If he's able to come back at any point during the trip, you're getting reinforcements at a good time. Right. It's going to be a fresh player. He should be ready to go. Okay, that's great. But the point of him being on the road trip was that there was an expectation he was going to play at some point. And here we are. And, two, and he, three weeks later, two weeks and later, he, and he no, still hasn't played. And he doesn't. Yeah. And that's okay because I had people who were sending me tweets and things like that who, who would sit like at the end of the trip or going, just don't even play him against Calgary. Just get him ready for next week. Like, okay. what's one more game at this point? Let him, let him rest up. And I even had people who were saying it about the Arizona game going, you're playing the worst team in the league in Arizona. They're, they're winless. They haven't gotten, and they've we got one point. We talked about it on the show last week, yeah. Right. So what's the harm if he's not ready to go for that either? Like your real goal here was to circle the two divisional games and say, that's what you want. We'd him love back to see for. him back for those. Right. That's when you want him back. But if you know, but if not, if not Tuesday, like Tuesday would be great. But if not, you know what? It's already been th- four games to this point. What's the harm in one more? If he's if, if the message is it's just one more game as a precaution, he's close early season we think we think thursday exactly and it's early season so you're being careful right but now what happened was is that it, it turned into a well if he's able to practice on wednesday then he'll come with the team on the trip but if not he's out for the weekend right. and that's exactly what happened he didn't practice he's out for the weekend so right away you already know that pittsburgh and washington you're going to play those two teams which is certainly a really good way to test where you are early when it comes to divisional play, even with Pittsburgh having guys out, even with Washington having guys out. Certainly tough. Because well, let's put it this way. You're not coming in injury-free either. Right. Like, I think that you're going to get a very different game against Pittsburgh if Ryan Ellis plays, because Ryan Ellis, oh, has yeah. been one of the, Ryan Ellis has been one of your best players, and I know, again, small sample size, three games, but... He's been one of your best defensemen in terms of breakout passes, getting out of the zone cleanly, and it was something you had a lot of trouble with against Pittsburgh. Yep. So if you could just get a guy like that in there, and that's why I was feeling like same thing. If we were talking about with Kevin Hayes, oh, Broussard maybe as the second-line center is kind of reaching the end of the line where it, it's passable until yep. you need the guy back. Nick, Nick Sealer, Sealer in your lineup is doing the same exact thing. It's not even Nick Sealer in your lineup. It's the balance that you lose when you have Sealer play in third pair, which means that he's with Yandel, and then Justin Braun. Justin Braun's been really good at the top. I'm not trying to he's take that fine. away. Yeah, I agree. But but I, I think that only lasts for so long before you start to say something needs. And I don't even think it, it was something bad. It. Right. It's and it's not even that. Like I don't even feel like it's that. Like I'm not sitting here going Justin Braun's been bad. No, he and, I'm not try- and I'm not trying to make it seem like it was reaching the end of the line with him up there. As a matter of fact, I, there's enough people who actually have, have seen enough that they actually sit there and go, is it possible that when he comes back, when Ellis comes back, that Braun would actually stay up on the, on the second pair? And do Ristolainen because- or uh, Sandheim Ellis? Or Ristolainen no, Ellis? 
No, 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 no. Ellis goes back with Provorov, but oh, Braun, Braun, Braun stays up pair. and doesn't oh, go back. Okay. Now, see, I, I think that Braun on the third pair creates a balance. I think it, it's what makes Keith Yandel work. I agree. That's why I think it works out, because Braun's been so good this year in, in every role he's had that when when you limit his minutes to begin with and you put him on the third pairing with a Keith Yandel type, you basically let Keith Yandel be the play driver and you tell Justin Braun stay back and you're not supposed to be playing the best players on the other team. I'm not going to lie. If those are your first and third pairs, Provorov, Ellis, and, uh, and Yandel Braun, I'm pretty worried about that middle pair. <laughs> I got to give them credit for the game on Saturday because it was probably their best so far. Yeah, you know what I mean, though, because that's Travis no, I know, because has not been particularly good this season. But that's what I think is unfair. I'm not trying to defend Rasmus Ristolainen completely here. I'm not saying he hasn't had some moments. I think that Sanheim's been worse on that pairing than Ristolainen has. I, and I, that's why the first name I mentioned was Sanheim, because Ristolainen, it I think, just, has been okay. Right. But Travis that, Sanheim has not been good this season. But that's the difference is you can't have one guy be just okay and have another guy be dumpster fire bad at times. Right. Like one way or the other, it's the same thing. It was the same thing as when Sandheim was playing with Phil Myers last year. One of them might be good, but the other one is having a dumpster fire kind of night. So you're going, well, the okay game by blank isn't good when the other one is disastrous. Like it's going to lead to similar results. So you need one of them to really step up constantly and be – very good and the other one to be like you need one of them to be okay and one to be very good and i think that last night you finally got that like you got one of them who had a stronger game than usual or stronger than the previous ones and then the other one falls into place you know but i I actually thought collectively as a pair they both were good you know they both were good and that's that's also a difference maker when they both can even just be passable as good then you have something like uh, like then you I, like, have a very good defensive core, right? Like this was actually their better like that was a, the best showing that they've had combined. And I don't I agree. I, and look and look maybe that turns into a consistent thing. If you can turn it into a consistent thing, you've got something. But I, I don't think you're gonna go the. I don't think it's so consistent. Easy. Right. Consistent is such a good word because what did you say about Ryan Ellis after his first three games? Well, you talked all is. about how steady he is. Right. I think there's a chance you see some consistency, some steadiness, some real talent out of this defensive core this season. Oh, I agree. I think there's potential for it. You just need it to be across the across the board as much as possible. And I, I don't look, I don't think that even I think when Ryan Ellis coming back is going to be big for that. It is because yep. even when he's even when they're nothing changes about their pairing, right? Like Bristoline and, and Sandheim are still a pairing right now, like they were would have been at the very beginning, like they were for the one game that Ellis played in that they were both playing into, right? right. So nothing changes there, but I do think there's a stylistic change when Ellis isn't out there because I really think that it's follow the leader when it comes to how do you get out of your zone effectively. Yes. And I, so I think Bristoline plays that way when Ellis is in front of him. Braun plays that way when it happens. And you get much more. You get cleaner exits. You get better passes up the ice. You get more of a transition game. You keep using such good words. You said follow the leader. 
Exactly. Ryan Ellis is going to be the leader of this defensive core. Just having him back in the room, having him back in all the meetings, back in all this, like back on the ice with them every day in practice. I, I kept saying over the offseason he was my favorite pickup, and that's why. Because he's going to be the captain of the defensive unit. 100%. I, because, because I just knew coming in, for every change I made, and, and, and don't get me wrong, I said it multiple times over the summer when we were doing shows over the summer and talking about the moves they were making and everything like that. Cam Atkinson was going to be embraced from day one. Oh, yeah. No, no question about it. But, he shoots but, the puck just so much. Right. But to me, Ryan Ellis was going to be the guy because, uh, you know, right now this is the knock you have on him. The the best availability you have or best ability you have is availability. And right now we're not seeing a whole lot of it. But that's the knock you have because the three games he's yeah. played have been great. Yep. But I'm also willing to give them the benefit of the doubt that the that Flyers early. are protecting their right. It's early in the season. He just traded for him. He's still got four. What is it? Four years left on his contract. Um, Ellis is. Uh, is it? It's yeah, four, 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 five, six. Something. He's got six. a long time left. Right. You're not. It, yeah. If Ryan Ellis was a rental, you might be playing him right now. If he was, you know, one year left, he was Rasmus Ristolainen, something like that. But you're looking at protecting the long term investment. He's got five years left, and he's not, you know, on the wrong side of thirty. You got to take care of him. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. It's you, you, you know. do. Well, I, 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 here's the thing, too. This isn't last season where everything's going to happen in four months and it's sprint to the finish line kind of thing. Right, we're back certain, to normal. You've got certain points, but you've got certain points where you've got to get to, where you've got to protect your your players and and not treat every game like a playoff game. Last year, I think, like. You go to last season, that was also one of the big problems, too, was it, not only did you not have time to get away from it, where you're like, hey, this game happens, it wasn't very good, and you've got to come right back, and it might not be very good again because you just might not be that good of a team kind of thing. Right. But but, but there was no escaping in between. Like To hear something like, here's, and here's a great example of it to kind of tie it into something from this week, to hear something like, the Coyotes are in town on Tuesday. So Monday night when they're already in town and Shane Gossesberg's back and a bunch of them go to dinner. Hey, one of our former teammates is back. We're all going to dinner. Now, whether you like I get that they're including he's on the opposition the next night. I get it. But at the same Man, time, it doesn't bother me. But you've got no, it doesn't bother me either. But you've got similar players, you know, like you've got teammates going out, having a good time, trying to enjoy themselves. Back to away, away from the rink, away yep. from thoughts of just the game itself. What, what, what do you think that they're talking about at a not, dinner the night before? It's not, hey, oh. how's your season going? What's good? like, but it, it's pro it's probably things like, how's Arizona? How's you know, your girlfriend? How, how or your fiance, or, wife? I don't know where they're wife. at. Um, you got married and all. They did get married. Okay, so how's your wife? How's the dog? Right. How was, how's how, right. yeah? How's how have things been since the wedding? Apparently, like no. here's even one. Apparently, Ivan Provrov and his girlfriend have taken over like some of the duties that Gossesbury used to have with the SPCA and stuff like okay. that. Yeah. Oh, so, we've we've all met Drake. <laughs> well, virtually, yes, but right. We've all seen. Uh, what what was funnier is that they that was questions asked of him at practice the next day after the game. So this was Wednesday, I guess, right? Provrov gets the biggest smile on his face when talking about Drake. It's so funny. My mother just sent me a video from Instagram, some Instagram dog page, and it was a video and, about Drake. 
Yes, there is. <laughs> and really my mother cute. sent it to me. She's like, it's too freaking cute. <laughs> I hear about Drake all the time. Oh, uh, it's, it's really funny. But 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 regardless, you. My point is, you you go out and you don't talk about or have to focus on the game that was yesterday or the day before, or however long it's been since your last game. You get to just have fun, and with you're not focusing on coworkers. tomorrow. E- yeah. And you're not focusing on tomorrow either. Yep. You're focusing on a night out, having a good time. You're going relaxing. out for dinner with your coworkers. That's all exactly. it is. Kind, kind of, but it's nice. To, it's nice, yep. you know. So, I do think that there's an element to that being part of it that you're not stuck in all of that per se. I said it, I said it before. I'll say it again. The Flyers are a vibes team. We saw it two years ago. We saw the lack of it last year, and it's back. And, uh, but I think a big part of it will be when Ellis comes back, because Ellis yep. gives is giving you. It, it, he's not flashy. He's not going to be a gigantic personality, but he's got. He's just got that on ice ability. Like it, it's, it's the he's steady do Eddie the Matt thing. Niskanen thing, right? Yeah, it's the steady yep. Eddie thing, right? That's Absolutely. just who that's just who he is. And but but this is what I like what, over the offseason. It was why I loved that move so much, because I just remember like I knew what the guy in Nashville, I knew the guy and I'm like, I know what kind of game you're going to get. And it's exactly the type of game you need. Yep. Absolutely. And we've talked about it. Small sample size, only three games. So far, we've seen it. Right, I mean, like, like you've seen what happens because now you've got bigger sample sizes for the other two newcomers to the blue line. You've seen, you've seen the sample size. I mean, I, I think that Ristolainen has progressively gotten a little better with more time. I agree. I think that that's a good. Th- I think that's a good thing. I don't think he, he he'll never be perfect. No, like like you've got to stop expecting that. He'll no. never be perfect. He'll probably once a game. Do, do something, something that gives yep. that gives up a, an odd man rush or something, or take like, a bad penalty or something. Right, he'll do something at one point every single game, but I think it's just as important for Travis Sanheim to progressively get better as well to build off of that, as opposed to just putting the focus on wrist line. And I like as a pairing, they need to collectively do those things like they need to be able to both find some consistency to the game as opposed to let's just focus in on one or the other like i i think you just need to hope that both of them give you what is passable for a second pairing and use that to your advantage when they do and then i think we've seen for his age for his usage enough of a sample size of what keith yandel gives you also that you know, and I, I haven't. I mean, it, it's tough to. It, I'm sitting here trying to talk about it from from Saturdays specifically. I don't know. You know, if we've seen enough of this new look power play with Provorov back at the top and not Yandel. Like, I liked Yandel on the top power play unit. Yeah, I didn't hate it. I think he's actually better there than Provorov is, but I'm not yeah. the coach. Right. I don't disagree. I. I've expressed some frustration in the group chat about uh, Giroux on the right point in the power play, but I, again, I'm I'm also not the coach. The interesting thing about him on that right point, though, or right side, or however you want to look at it, is he's actually stepping into shots a little bit more on that power play right now, yeah. which is different. I, I know, I I know, everybody loves the one timer from the left circle. I get it. 
I just see him as uncomfortable there. Like, he doesn't know what to do, and it looks like when he receives the pass, he's not really in position to do anything with it and, like, has to turn his whole body to shoot or just, like, toss the pass back to the other the other point man. It, it, I'm not seeing a whole lot of, uh, like, because dynamic the, action out of him, and Claude Drew is such a dynamic player. That's what I'm looking to say. I guess, but you know what the you know what the move is there, right? It's the same thing I've seen on the left side with somebody like Ivan Provrov. You you got to do that coming from the circle, so you're coming toward the blue line from the circle. You've got to take the pass, make the reverse really quick, and then try to unleash it by making that move. I mean, it was it was let's say it was really funny, by the way, because when Arizona was in town, Gossesburg tried that point that blue line deke on Nate Thompson, and Nate Thompson had none of it; just shoved him into the boards and yeah. like. So it was it. I know what you're doing. We were teammates. Right. But I laughed because I'm like, yeah, seen that move before. <laughs> seen him you get know? pushed into the boards on it before, too. Yeah, but n- not as much. He did pull it off later in the game, so I'm not going to sit there and say anything. Let's go to the other Let's go to the other guy. We do have to do that, yeah. Uh, so Kevin Hayes, I think, man, we so, talked about uh, Derek Broussard kind of reaching the end of his rope. Um, when can we expect Kevin Hayes back in the lineup? Probably not Wednesday like everybody was hoping for, but... Okay, so let me tie these two injuries together because I yeah. think the goal now that it's become what it is like with Ellis, now that he's missed as many games as he has, basically now you were starting to look at the timeline and kind of now going, well then, okay, both are eligible. Like Hayes is eligible to come back as of Wednesday, so now you're kind of playing. So who's back first? Kind of game, right? Right, and, and that's not a game and, we thought we were going to be playing a week and a half ago with Ryan Ellis. But your question now becomes, what about both of them? Are they both going to be ready for Wednesday? And Probably not. Well, and here's the thing. I'm not surprised that, well, okay, Hayes is probably not going to be ready for Wednesday. That's fine. He's still soon enough removed from He's still conditioning. The, the offseason surgery. You want to get it. I, I, I think the key to me was that they said something about getting him four to seven full practices. Okay. Now, what, now what do you have over the course of that time specifically? He went on the road with you. Now he's going they're practicing today. So he's going to practice today. He'll probably practice on Monday. He'll probably skate on Tuesday. Like you're going to get a couple of days right there. That's still only 3. Right. So skip probably Wednesday. Probably not going to play Wednesday. Right. So skip Wednesday, do the exact same thing as last time as this weekend, which is he'll go on the trip. I don't know if he'll play, but he'll go on the trip. I think you should circle the November 16th game against Calgary. Okay. So another week or so for Kevin Hayes. That's what I think. Okay. I, I, it would not surprise me in the least if they turn around and they go, hey, Carolina's on the schedule, we're going on the road, and he's back. Right. Would, and then it at, would not surprise me in the least. But that's, at, that's a, at this point, I think it would be folly to try to guess with uh, Ryan Ellis. <laughs> well, and, well, and here, here's the thing, about even about Hayes. I'm not going to put anything past anybody being available for Wednesday because of the fact that we're talking about specific practices. I think Hayes is kind of in a day-to-day situation with the practices, as okay. in – he's been around the entire training camp preseason, et cetera, getting ready and eventually getting back onto the ice. He wants to be on the ice. I think Elaine Vigneault is going to do everything in his power to get him back as soon as possible. Okay. But I also, but I also think there is an element to, and this may go back to what he had to go through during the off season. There's an element to letting him start at home, letting him be in the starting get lineup, get a cheer for having your name called. So if not Wednesday, Maybe next Tuesday, just right. to get that, just to get the home pop. Well, especially because you know we've talked about this, and not only that, but here's another kind of good 
good line for next Tuesday, if you will, because if, if it is next Tuesday and they're home against Calgary, then they're also home on Thursday against Tampa. And then they're also home on Saturday against Boston. Like, do you like, but do you think there's an opportunity there for in the first three games he plays to get that first goal, to point to the sky for his brother and say, here it is. I finally got one. I'm back. It makes sense to let him sit the week. So he's got three bites at that apple. And not home. just the, and not just that, but to make sure that he's really conditioned as well as well, he yeah, can be, yeah, of course, so that you're not dealing with another injury right away. As for Ellis, anybody's guess is as good as mine. The, the unfortunate here's the unfortunate part because this is where it really becomes concerning to me. It, okay, he didn't play during the course of the week. Like he didn't play the Florida game that started all this. He did, he went on the Western Canada trip but didn't play. They held him out against Arizona. That's all well and good, but when you held him out for the weekend. Now it's getting a little concerning, but you go, okay, so when everything's over with the weekend, you're setting your sights on Toronto. That's another week That's another week from when we last got an update. Because right. we knew Wednesday of the previous week, he's out for the week. Yeah. Um, so you go, now all of a sudden there's, and we weren't getting, like, they're not streaming the availabilities uh, for AV pregame on the road. Right. But the beats that were there are putting out that he goes, well, same thing with Ellis. It's kind of an outside chance, and we don't even know if he's going to practice with the main team on Sunday. Okay, I feel what? like I feel like the situation is rapidly becoming uh, like Banks from uh, Mighty Ducks Two. One day he's just going to wake up and the pain will be gone. He can rotate the stick again. <laughs> kind of, but like that's that's where I'm at. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like we just it, have to wait until he decides, or until it it decides it's done bothering him. I guess. The inter- like the thing to me, it's that that's kind of crazy. Is is just like this is now dragging on to a point where it's really getting concerning. Like, I agree. It's it's one thing like like and even when people because there were people who were even sending like I saw tweets out there going like what what made him go from day to day to like saying week to week. And in my head, really, what all it is is week to week. It's become week to week because of the fact that it turned into weeks. a one. <laughs> Right, it turned into a, this is from one week to two weeks kind of thing. But at what point in time do you stop and go, well, listen, it's been three weeks now. If he's not able to play against Toronto, you're now setting your sights on almost four weeks out. Right, you start thinking about retroactively LTIRing him. I don't right. even know if there's a, I don't even know if there's a reason to do that at this point because... You've gone so far with it at this you point. You free up though. a little cap space. Well, if you retroactively well, do it, you can get some cap right, well, space so then, free. Well, so then speaking of, since we kind of touched on the injuries and stuff like that, speaking yeah. since we, we're already talking about the next one, so let's get into this. Yeah, so we got Toronto at home on Wednesday. That's something we've talked about. And then Friday, Saturday, Carolina, Dallas, both on the road. Um, that's a that's a nice little back-to-back. Uh, Dallas is off to it's a bit good. of a tough start, a little Lack of production from the top there, but Carolina's a very good team. Toronto's picking it up. Yeah, you're going to have a lot of... I mean, it's the beginning of a lot of tests. We know this. We've already talked about this a lot um, with this month, but... And and Toronto's just getting going a little bit, it feels like. Like, you're starting to see Austin Matthews get into a rhythm. You're starting to see their them building, you know, several wins in a row. They're starting to shift into gear. They're getting... They're getting Really quality goaltending. Yes. Yes, they you are. Know. So you've got a lot of things working in their favor right now. And and then obviously, I mean, what more can you say about Carolina? They've been stellar. You talk about excellent goaltending. Uh, 
Yeah. Freddie Anderson has been phenomenal. So this is this is a good. I mean, we've talked about this a lot with some of the other games, and on and one of them being on the road in this week, no less too. Just like you know, with the others, and I'm not trying to wipe out the Dallas game by any stretch, but we've talked about these measuring sticks and where, where you know playing. And Boston hasn't gotten off to the best start, so take it for what it is. But playing Boston early in the year, where are you at? Three games in. How about with Florida? How about with Edmonton? How about you know playing a back to back in Vancouver? How about Calgary? Like you're seeing where you kind of stand. And I, I don't think it was any different with the game against Washington on Saturday. It's another, you know, it was another one like. And here's the thing. We've seen some tests already. We're 10 games in. The Flyers are 6-2-2. Two, and two, And they're still the only team to defeat the Edmonton Oilers, by the way. 9-1. <laughs> That's the one. I mean, so far, you know, and I've talked about this before on the show. They have found a way to win games. They have the record to show it after 10 games. They have beaten very good teams. It's a tough two weeks ahead because even looking forward to next week a little bit, Tampa, or Calgary, Tampa, Boston, it's not getting easier. Right. I, like We're in the dog days of the NHL season. We know the, the East is good. You know, we talked about the Central being pretty weak, but the Atlantic is a strong division. The Metro is a strong division. These are teams you're playing a lot. Well, and here's the thing, like as I, as I look at it, because I'm looking at the calendar right now on, on the NHL app, which in the Flyers' case, the home home games are colored in black and the road games are in white, so it's kind of the right. perfect checkerboard pattern. Look at the checkerboard pattern that goes down with a Wednesday home game, a Thursday home game, a Friday home game in multiple weeks. But that you're gonna cool. get, but you're gonna get to that Friday home game maybe two weeks from now, roughly. That's that Black three, Friday game. Like two to three weeks from now. Yep. And I think you're going to have a really good idea of what this team may be. The more that they replicate Saturday's game, the more they replicate what they've done against either against Edmonton or whatever. Like, if you can get some key wins here, and I certainly I like the, I like the home games that they have coming up because yeah, they're tough home games, but you're at home. Yep, we do have to play Tampa in Tampa also, and Tampa and Florida back to back nights. But you tell you tell me how you're not supposed to learn something from those games. If they do something successful, how you don't learn something about that team. If the Flyers come out of this month on the same pace that they kind of started this month, they are going to put the league on notice because that they have a probably the toughest month of the season. Well, what in else in terms think, of opponent quality? Think about what else is consistent so far. You know, the first week, first full week that you played, take away the Friday game in the opener. The first full week that you played, you get four out of six points. Yep. Then, then, then the next week, you get four out of six points. Then this past week, five out of six points. There's another six points between now and our next show that are out there for the, for them to possibly take. Yep. You come away with maybe another four out of six, you're doing something right still. Especially when you're playing Toronto, especially when you're playing Carolina, even with the game against Dallas. And then you'll, and then you're gonna get the exact same thing, the following week. Three right. home games, tough games, four out of six. Keep trying to make, make hit that mark as much as possible. We talked about ten game segments. Flyers are sitting at six, two, and two right now. I'm gonna rattle off these ten games. I want you to give me a prediction for their record in these oh, next ten man. games, just off the top of your head. Don't you know? All right. I hate this stuff though. Home Toronto, road Carolina, Dallas. Home, Calgary, Tampa, Boston. Road, Tampa, Florida. Home, Carolina. Road, New Jersey. 
and you want me to give you a prediction? A rough record. Give me, you know, do they go 6-2-2 two two again? Do they just stay on the exact same pace? I think that's supremely reasonable. I will tell you what. Because if we're sitting here and this team is 12-4-4 four and four in a month, that's a very good team. You know what? 6-2-2 two two to start. If you would have told me that's what their record would be through 10 games, I would have told you that's probably right about where I would hope it would be. Because I had exactly what they what I had what they had in October is what I thought was a good marker. Like they finished the October slate. My thought was get four wins. If you can get four wins, you're in good shape. So they've started off November the right way here. I kind of like so all right, so I will say this. I think they're going to get out of that selection. I think there's a way they can probably get maybe five wins out of that grouping. Okay. I'd love it if they could get six. Okay. I think that's fair. I think we have seen enough out of this team that we could realistically get six. I, I think I, it would I think take a lot. It, it will, but I, I here's the thing. I think that they it's going to be tougher, but I think they can beat Dallas. I think they can beat New Jersey. I look at the rest and I'm going, it's not that I think you can or can't beat those teams. It's, you're going to They're need much to earn. Games. They're much tougher. You're going to need to earn it. I do look at the abundance of. I mentioned two road games there among the two that I go. You're playing somebody who I think you could beat. So I look at the abundance of home games and I go, just find a way in in three of them. Right. And it is split five and five, which is kind of nice. It's a good little. It's a good little cross section here. I do cause, because I do think as as I look at what teams you're talking about, like as as I look. Toronto, Calgary, Tampa, Boston, Florida's on there. Carolina's on there twice, obviously. You know, Tampa's yeah, on there twice. Carolina too. and Tampa twice during this next 10 games. That's that's not nothing. But there's always the possibility that you just catch a team on an off night. And if that's you, true. And if you do, try to take advantage. That's you win, all GG. Right. 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 Like, just see if there's a chance that you catch a team on an off night somewhere in there. See if, you know, I haven't, I'm not going to try to dive into it now because I haven't looked, but. I'm sure that if I looked at the other team's schedules, someone's going to play in a gap that you don't have. You know what I mean? Like, where you have a gap that they don't have. You know? Absolutely. That's what you got to take for what it's worth. Like, yep. And we'll see what the Flyers can do kind of over the next 10 games. But, uh, all right. We got one more thing to talk about before we're going to get out of here. And we're going to be touch a re- on some, some real NHL quick news. touch on it. Yeah. It's going to yeah. be a real quick touch on it, but we're going to do it because it's been. Man. How, how many months in the making was this? I mean, when was the McDavid draft? 2017? <laughs> um, Jack you Eichel. A, you has, had a trade for Eichel back then? I, no, but I knew Jack Eichel was going to be traded then. Because uh, who wants to spend time in Buffalo? Uh, did you Was you really or did you think, no. like, or, or, was your, or was your thought he's not going to be a career Buffalo Sabre? Um, I thought that the Sabres went too hard on the tank. And they wouldn't be able to reap the benefits of the player, and that well, he, he would end up leaving. Well, he said as much in the uh, Elliot Friedman interview right. that was out. So yeah, because they tore it down so aggressively, so aggressively to try to get Connor McDavid. He, he basically flat out said he was pissed off about the fact that they were not going in the right direction like a couple of years ago. Right, and then it just never got better because they just created right. such an awful losing environment, and it just it was bad. Um, so let's, Jack is. Eichel, yeah, Jack Eichel is now a Vegas Golden Knight, uh, sliding Nolan Patrick down the depth chart. One, uh, one to where? Because I I saw a projected lineup. He's a fourth line center now. 
Well, I mean, it's it's fair. But I don't know why that's so funny to me. It was Peyton Krebs, Alex Tuck, uh, and some conditional picks, including a first and a second for Jack Eichel and a third. You texted the group and you had a thought. Which one are you talking about? What, no, like right after this trade, didn't you text? Maybe, maybe it wasn't you. Someone did text. Maybe, maybe it was Broads who texted me who said it was like that they got fleeced. Oh, uh, yeah. I. <sighs> Apparently, Calgary was in the running, um, and apparently there were some offers on the table, blah, blah, blah. The, that was more rumors than truth. Right, and I don't know how much of that was just to kind of drum up the drum up interest, because apparently the biggest sticking point for Vegas was the inclusion of Peyton Krebs. Mm. It, and, uh, and Krebs is going to be good, don't get me wrong. He's a right. good prospect. But... but apparently Vegas really, really liked him and did not want to part with him. And when they finally agreed to include him in the deal is kind of when the deal got done. Um, but yeah, so the the deal finally got done, and the, see, I never Vegas, know. I, yeah, go ahead. I never know what to think, like in this situation with this, because I get it's a big deal, and yes, long term, I think you're like you're right. Like long term, it, it's it, it's going to make Vegas a lot. Like everybody who talks about how great Vegas could be from this, they're right. Long term. I sit there and I go immediately like he's going to have the surgery now. That's probably part of the sticking point from his standpoint was someone's going to let me have the surgery. I, was just about I want to mention that as Vegas is so, going to let him have the surgery he wants. So that's, and that's fine. I'm not trying to sit there and say that there's yep. something wrong with that. It's it's about a three month recovery timetable. And well, and that might be being generous because three Kelly to four. McCr- yeah. Kelly McCrimmon gave it even upwards of five, which everybody jumped and went. What's five months from now? It's almost April. Well, right, and I I think Kelly McCrimmon is leaving that door strategically open. Sure, he is. But, but beyond... I think it's pro. I, I, most experts agree that it's in the four month range, and I think Jack Eichel would like to try to play in the Olympics. I agree. Now, here's the th- here's the thing. From Vegas' standpoint, specifically, you're in a bit of a tight situation right now because he's going to have this surgery. So yes, you just made this really big deal. There's there's certainly a chance that because Tuck's hurt too, so Tuck wasn't helping you in the right. moment, but could have helped you maybe sooner than Eichel. I don't know. It could have been just as long. There's certainly a chance Krebs could have helped you during this during the course of this time. I think Vegas is also just kind of expecting to make the playoffs because their division is also not great. Yes, but you're sitting here. Eichel's going to get the surgery, so he's going to be out for a while. I don't really think there's much of a timetable on Pacioretty or Stone. So right. playing without them, you've also got, and it's not to say that he's been bad. I'm not trying to say he's been bad, but Robin Lehner was kind of a story because he has no safety net anymore. You traded Marc-Andre Fleury. You yep. took away the safety net that you had with a good yep. goaltending tandem. Yep. So now what? You know what I mean? Like you kind of come back to now what? Like in the moment, like you're kind of a thin team right now. With all those guys injured, how how far behind could you fall? Like, oh, also be- worth noting, Vegas has drafted five players in the first round in their history, and they have now and- traded four of them. <laughs> Don't buy a house in Vegas. Rent. If you Pretty go much. to the Golden Knights, rent. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Pretty much. I think it's about time we get out of here. Eichel it going is. to Vegas Speaking is of- crazy. Be- Speaking of the Flyers' next opponent, some quick breaking news for you. Yeah. Um, Peter Morozik's hurt again, if it doesn't surprise you. Um, oh. 
Um, so he's out for four weeks, so he's not available this week, obviously. I mean, the goalie who I was saying they were getting good goaltending from is, is Jack Campbell, obviously. Right. He's been really good. I think I, I assume he's starting. I imagine so. I mean, unless I unless I go in and check and find out that somehow or other they have a game right before. <laughs> no, I, you know what? They play Monday, but that's besides. But there's an example of what I was. Campbell. There's an example. Of, there is an example of what I was talking about. So a team plays Monday. You last played Saturday. Come in fresh. Come in ready. Come in ready. Yep. You might have a shot to win a game because right. a team played. Speaking more of coming in ready, we'll be back next week, ready to talk about more hockey. That's right. Uh, make sure to follow the show on Twitter at YWT Podcast. Make sure to find Kevin at Kevin underscore Durso. Uh, you can find the show everywhere you find your podcast: Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, every podcatcher on earth. Uh, we are also on SportsTalkPhilly.com. Make sure to follow them on Twitter and uh, Sports Talk PHL and at Flyerdelphia for your Flyers coverage. We got those graphics. <laughs> and uh, Kevin, anything else here? Or? Nope. All right. Three more, three more this week. Love three it. more this week. And uh, we'll be back next week to talk about it. See ya.